How you doing? Danny Zalisco, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us here uh, in your hometown of uh, Chicago. Uh, Danny Zalisco, you're a concert promoter for over 46 years. Uh, your new book is called All Excess, not Access, Excess, Occupation Concert Promoter. Reading through the book, skimming through it, um, I, I see you, first of all, you're a Chicago guy. You grew up in Niles. and. Yeah, somehow uh, you got close to Chicago Cubs great uh, Ernie Banks and Bears greats Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo. How does that happen? Well, when when I was a little kid growing up there in the early 60s, uh, my brother and I started writing to all these players. We figured out that you could write to them at Wrigley Field or Comiskey Park. And they'd get the letters, and they'd write you back. They'd send you pictures, autographs, whatever. Um, I think they still do it to this day. I'm not sure. Maybe they have somebody else do it <clears throat> for them. But, you know, Ernie was one of the most gregarious guys you could ever meet. We met him uh, outside of Wrigley Field. If you remember across from uh, their back door to their clubhouse, you had a, a, a shot of about 100 yards from where they parked next to the firehouse to go across the street, across the railroad tracks, to going into Wrigley Field to their clubhouse. Now, of course, they don't do that anymore. They, they park behind a wall, so you, you don't have that kind of access. So we saw Ernie uh, and became friends with him. He recognized us after time after time, and um, he turned out to be a, a great lifelong friend right up until he died. You're clearly a person who, uh, who, who loves people. Your book is uh, because you're a, you're a sports fan, and that sort of manifested itself into, you know, relationships with people, and you became a concert promoter uh, because of that. But you're still a sports fan. In fact, Kirk Gibson does the foreword to your book, so you're friends with him. Yeah, um, Kirk was out here as the uh, bench coach for the Diamondbacks when we first met. He was underneath um, Bob Melvin, who now manages Oakland. And he brought him to a Who show that I had, in 07, and we became fast friends, and the next thing I know, he was he was living in my house because he didn't have anywhere to go after he was named manager of the Diamondbacks. He just was so busy, he hadn't gotten a place. <laughs> so he stayed in uh, our other house down the street, which is now my office, and uh, then he had Alan Trammell move in before he went into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and uh, he was staying in my daughter's bunk bed. Wow. Oh, okay. Um, the top one, I'm sure. My wasn't there. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Gibby is an incredible music fan. Um, he, you know, he's from Detroit. Iggy and the Stooges were one of his favorites, Seeger and all those guys. And uh, what a great guy. And it's like the music and the sports, it's like you can't separate it. Everybody loves the other when you're in that business, you know. Now, you mentioned uh, Detroit and um, another uh, Detroiter who is out where you are because you're based in uh, Arizona now, uh, Alice Cooper. Um you guys, what, neighbors? He's, um, I would say his house is about a mile and a quarter from where I'm standing right now. You've gotten some uh, personal relationships with Alice Cooper. In fact, he is a part of your book. Uh, it's filled with photos never before seen from your personal archive. Uh, of course, Alice Cooper, Roger Waters, Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith, even Tony Bennett and Barbara Streisand. The list goes on. How does a guy like you, Danny Zalesko, get into these situations and uh, tell me some stories? Uh, dish for me. You know, it's kind of like a Forrest Gump Zelig type of a thing. <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I was drawn to these to these folks at a very at a very early age. The, the sports guys, the Ernie thing, and, 
And with Brian Piccolo, uh, um, who they did that movie Brian's song about. I, I watched it again the other night. I couldn't take it. It was so great. <laughs> it's tough. Um, it's I, great, but I tough. I managed to get near, get near some really cool people at a very early age, and, and it was networking, and I didn't know the word networking at that time, but it was meeting people and using your resources and your abilities the best you could. And my resource was meeting people, and my resource was putting people together. And, and that's what a concert promoter does. He puts together a band and an audience in a building. It's pretty, I mean, it's really that cut and dried. Right. There's a lot more that goes into it in order to do that, and you've got to be careful doing it, you know, but it's easily done. I mean, I did it, and, and that was kind of the purpose of the book was to say you can do whatever it is you want to do as long as you're willing to stay after it and starve, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and go broke and, and have your family and everybody else going, what are you doing right. until you, you know, until you make it. And then you make it, and they go, ah, I knew all along you had it. Yeah. Now, of course, you ran into perhaps the most legendary concert promoter of all time, Bill Graham. Was he friendly? Was he wary of you? Were you wary of him? How did that that whole dynamic uh, manifest itself? Well, I idolized him. And remember, this is way before the Internet. So, I mean, the only thing you could read about Bill would be like in a Rolling Stone magazine, which covered San Francisco so closely back then. Um, and, and you could read a little bit about him, but there was no Internet. But you learned and you heard about the Fillmore East and the Fillmore West and all these fantastic bills that he put together. And, and I, I mean, you couldn't help but be smitten by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Grateful Dead and Miles Davis. I mean, he had me at G. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like it really served as a, a template for me for my future and going, well, he did that. I mean, I'm never going to be Bill Graham, but I can be me out here in Arizona where there's no Bill Graham, you know, standing uh, over this town running it, you know, for concerts. I came out to Phoenix and no one was here. So when people say, how do you become a concert promoter? Go somewhere where there's not another concert promoter because they need you to fill in those gaps between you know, whatever city when you're routing, uh, Phoenix, Tucson, Albuquerque, Vegas. And that's where I promote most of the time. So when people come this way or they're coming from California going east, they got to come through here. And, you know, for the right shows and, and the ones that I want to do, I try to get every one of them I can. Can that really happen now, though, with uh, with it all gone national, live nation and all that? Is it really possible to be, you know, regional? I guess it is. You're doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, 10 years ago, I left Live Nation. I, I, I sold my company 20 years ago, and it went from this one guy, Sillerman, Robert Sillerman, uh, SFX, to Clear Channel, and then Clear Channel spun it off, and it became Live Nation. So for 10 years, I didn't work for me. I worked for them. And for the last 10 years, I worked for me again. So I not only live to talk about it, but I'm still doing it, uh, for 10 years later, which is twice the time I spent with Live Nation, I'm making more money because I'm doing shows that I want to do that, you know, they can't do everybody. Right. These, these bigger concert promoters just can't do it all, and, and they tend to go towards the ones where they can make, they can do the least amount of shows and make the most amount of money. Right. Um, there, there's an expression in our business that 80% of the money you make is from 20% of the shows. Think about it. Yep, yep. So it, it, it's a wicked curve. So 
if I can do shows in auditoriums and, and performing arts centers, for instance, I do shows there in Chicago with Scotty Gelman, and we've got Gordon Lightfoot, and we've done Alan Parsons, and Bachman Cummings, and Frankie Valley at the, out at the Copernicus or uh, Rosemont. There's great venues there, and, and, and I think people that, of our age group like going to those cool places, and uh, you can make a living doing 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people at these shows. They don't have to be arenas or stadiums all the time um, in order to come out. In fact, your risk is so great on those bigger shows, I'd rather be right where I am and, and working with these great bands. Now, all excess is, uh, of course, a play on words to uh, the big laminates that you wear around your neck that say all access on them. Uh, you're taking uh-huh. us backstage. We generally don't get to go back there. What, what kind of a world is that? What are some of the pitfalls? What are the bad things? What are some of the crazy stories that you can relate? Well, you know, the, the good part of it is that's where catering is, where you take your meals. <laughs> yeah. there's, produc- there's production offices back there where people work. And the bands have, depending on what kind of a, a space you're in, whether it's an arena or a smaller hall, they've got their dressing rooms. And basically, that's our home for the day. Mm-hmm. So there isn't necessarily all kinds of spectacular things going on 24-7, but it gets more interesting closer to showtime when the meet and greets start happening and the friends and the family start showing up. And depending on the band, you know, sometimes you're with bands who are more family-oriented, and then you have other ones who are into having a party um, and, 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 and really making something out of it. Um, and, you know, it really depends on the group that you're with. In the book, you uh, have all of these photographs, and when you looked throughout your archive of photos, uh, you, you, you came back with, with memories, and you were able to caption a lot of these photos, which is, I think, a great part about this book. What do you want readers to get out of it uh, from your perspective? I think overall that, that going to concerts is a necessary part of our life. Um, we work hard. We, we work hard to make money and make ends meet, but we got to get out and have our own free time and our own diversions. And, and I love concerts for that because you get to go see somebody else work. Right. You, you pay to see them work, but it doesn't feel like work for anybody. It's play. Yeah. And and when, when you read this book, I, I want people to get that out of it as well as the fact that if, that if I could do this, I, w- I was almost going to say if I could get away with it, <laughs> not getting away with anything. Yeah. If I could do this, anybody can do something like this. If you enjoy something, pursue it. Right. Everybody is always looking for what am I going to do next or how is this going to turn out? And, and the question you got to ask yourself is, are you doing what you want to do? Are you doing what you like? And if you are, keep doing it and don't stop until you get what you want. And that's what happened here. Danny Zalisco, All Excess Occupation Concert Promoter is the book. Uh, you can get it at Kim, uh, Kindle, Amazon, and on your website, dzplive.com. It's a great read. Countless photos from Chicago on to stages and backstages all over the world. The book is out. Danny Zalisco, it has been great speaking with you today. Thanks. Same here. And uh, have a have a great day. Say hello to Chicago for me. I, yeah? I'll do that for you. Absolutely. Uh, fantastic book. Everybody go get it. Thank you.